Hello, podcast world. Welcome to Vicarious Living, a show about a couple Midwest dudes breaking down all the beauty that is teen drama TV. Welcome to my Carrie Living. Welcome back to the podcast. Super excited for this movie breakdown. We're going to get a little call in from one of our West Coast kid friends. Audio is going to sound a little different on this one. We're using Zoom technologies for this remote call in. First and foremost, though, before we get to our guests, before we get to the movie, we got to give a little housekeeping, take care of some business first. One contact information you can get at us by CarrieSlivingPod at gmail.com and by Carrie's Living Podcast on the Instagram, on the IG. Go there for our swag. Perfect time to get our swag right now. Super breathable, lightweight, 80-20 cotton poly split VL tank tops. There's no better time. This shit fits like a fucking glove. Unreal product swag situations. Okay. This guest, who's coming on? We're going to have her call in. She's our number one Dawson's Creek correspondent, one of our favorite West Coast kids, lives in Hollywood, but still maintains those wholesome Midwest values, Michelle M. Hey, hey, hey. Hey, hey, hey. Sweetie, I just wanted to say thank you for having me on oh. Vicarious Living. I'm so happy to be back. And for the full feature of a podcast, I mean, this is a gift. 2020 is automatically better. So we gave you a warm-up trial run on a Dawson's Creek podcast, and you you passed with flying <gasps> colors. And then it thank was God. like, I realized, holy shit. This isn't like some backup background singer. This is like a prime time <laughs> player. <laughs> this person yeah. needs to be featured in the starting lineup on the What wow. Cares Living podcast. You know, I feel like I I recognize that whenever you gave me like the list of movies that I could choose from. I was like, whoa, this is big time. You know, I'm not just getting an assignment. I get the option. So that's a good segue. Why did you choose this movie so i gave you a list of what what would you say there's maybe 200 movies on there that i've (laughs) yeah i think like 150 200 yeah pretty much so why 500 days of summer for you personally of of all those movies you were like this is the one i want to be the feature primetime player on 
Well, number one, I love this movie. I love the cast. I love the music. I love the story and like the lessons with it. So I figured this is a subject that I feel I, I am an expert in, AKA 500 days of summer. So I thought it could be a good, good content for us. Also, um, we kind of were talking about this earlier, but with our group of friends, I feel like this is such a big movie amongst us. Like we've always like talked about it or referenced it. So I thought it would be just good for that vein as well. Yeah, I agree. I, I think so. It came out in 2009. So it hit all of us when we were like in the the prime trying to figure out like our relationship love paths in life with significant others because we mm-hmm. were what juniors in college at that time. Yeah, and I feel like that's right. Like when you said this movie, I was like, fuck yeah. Like, honestly, I'm not going to throw it out to someone. But if someone throws it out to me, fuck yes, I want to do this. Because for me personally, this movie connects so deeply on like a figuring your life out with a relationship level. Right. I, I figured that we both related to this movie on a personal level, but in different ways. So, Demerit. Yeah, yes. Yeah, is, is Dan going to come <laughs> on at all? Is he going to make a cameo on this podcast? Um, we'll just have to see. Okay, cool. Well, we'll wait till you're like in the throes of describing an ex-boyfriend, like really, really deeply, and then we'll bring Dan on to make him. Yeah, super that would probably be best for me too if we can do it that way. Yeah. So, this movie, 2009, directed by Mark Webb, who ironically did. The Amazing Spider-Man movies with Andrew Garfield. Thank God. I thought you were going to say the ones with Tobey Maguire and I was going to have to walk away. No, no. Yeah, that would have sucked. Post Maguire <laughs> and pre-Tom Holland Spider-Man. Okay. I like those movies, to be honest. Well, the I'm first happy one. for you. The, the first, first one was good. The second one was just a not train good. wreck. But that's, you know, that's a different pod. In the fun fact on him, first half of his career, though, he was just exclusively a music video director. So he's worked with, I wrote him down, No Doubt, Green Day, Maroon 5, Three Doors Down, Switchfoot, Diddy, wow. Nelly, Miley Cyrus, Ever Levine, My Chemical Romance, The Wallflowers, Daniel Powder, Incubus, Hilary Duff, Weezer, AFI, All American Rejects, Fergie, Evanescence and the Pussycat Dolls. So you're telling me he basically owned music entertainment for the 2000s. I think we both can agree. I think that's fair. Fair. And to that say. explains a lot of, I guess, like his song choices for this film. I, I thought that they were a lot of like deep tracks, like some hipster, some old school um, things you typically don't hear in a regular film like this. So I, I feel like for me, a reason why I've latched onto it so much is just the music. Oh my God. Next level. I'm going to play so many songs on this pod, but I agree a hundred percent. And remember in this movie, there's like a a midway point in this movie where he essentially just films a a full on music video in the middle of this movie that was so wild. It was like so weird and out of place because it just completely disconnected you from like the reality of the world. Mm -hmm. But I was kind of all for it because he just had sex and that was how he and was that's basically what it's like when you have sex for the first time with somebody also fun fact i think another reason why i like this movie so much is right whenever my now husband and i started dating we this movie came out basically and we started watching it together all the time listening to the music all the time so i think it kind of reminds me of that period of my life but i had never heard of hall and oats before oh really 
which is kind of embarrassing, but that was something that Dan introduced me to. And that whole like music montage of him dancing in the park is uh, like really the first time I ever heard that song. It's what such a, a good song. Entry. Well, we'll we'll play it in a little bit, but it, it was a good song. But it it just connected so much to the fact of like once I saw that thing that he was a music video director, like exclusively, didn't direct films at all until like 2008. I was like, yeah, that makes sense. I get that. Mm-hmm. I get that. Um, oh, yeah. Okay, I'm gonna read the plot really quick of this movie. Get all the kids just on the same page, and then we'll go into some some overall fun facts. Okay. Plot of this movie. Tom is an aspiring architect who currently earns his living as a greeting card writer. Upon encountering his boss's beautiful new secretary, Summer, Tom discovers that the pair have plenty in common, despite the fact that she's seemingly out of his league. Tom believes deeply in the concept of soulmates, and he's finally found his. Unfortunately for Tom, Summer sees true love as the stuff of fairy tales and isn't looking for romance undaunted and undeterred by his breezy lover's casual stance on relationships tom summons all of his might and courage to pursue summer and convince her that their love is real 500 days of summer it's a breakup story honestly i wrote that down i was like this is not a love story this is like the evolution of a relationship that is just never gonna work and they tell you that within the first 20 seconds of the movie so it's not a surprise everybody knows it's coming that's kind of why it's so fun to watch because you're what you're like going through the relationship with them they're like no this has to work out but they're not lying it just shows you that if you are watching something unfold in a movie even if you are told from the onset hey just so you know everyone (laughs) in this movie dies everyone's gonna die so sorry and it's saying that like they're gonna break up. Sorry, you still go through the whole movie just like hoping that they were lying to you at the beginning. Yeah. So like when he says at the beginning, yeah, these two break up. They don't make it. Now we're gonna show you their story, and it's gonna inevitably end bad. You're just like, no, nah, they'll they'll power through. They'll figure like, it out. My enjoyment of these characters and the story is gonna somehow change the movie. I know. So fun facts about this movie: one. Do you know 75% of this movie is based on this exact situation happening to one of the writers who wrote the film? And that's why at the beginning it says that girl's name, like some of the Jenny char- something. Yeah, it was Jenny Beckman. And then it said, like, fuck you, you're a bitch. Because it is like this whole movie, some of the characters are real and the, the it's non-fictional events. Jenny Beckman is like the his ex-girlfriend who is summer in the movie do you think that Jenny caught this film I don't know god yeah can you imagine if like that was her real name and like a scorned ex-boyfriend wrote a whole movie and then put your first and last name in it what a backhanded compliment you know oh yeah Good point. Like, cause yeah, if I'm the girl, I'm like, wow, this guy's still obsessed with me. What a fucking pussy. She's like, who? Mark Webb? <laughs> I'm just kidding. There's no way. <laughs> no, I don't think it was Mark Webb. I think it was like one of the writers. Mark Webb didn't write it. And in his defense, it was one of the writers. But yeah, I know. Like she would, yeah, maybe she did do that. Like what? This, I don't even remember that guy. What the fuck? I don't even remember that guy. Um, second fun fact. This was on 2006 Blacklist. Are you familiar? No, why? So 
blacklist it's this list that comes out every year it's the most liked unmade scripts of the year so like they take anything that was trying to be made or sold to uh studios or whatever and for whatever reason it just didn't get made this movie was high up on the list in 2006 of unmade scripts interesting well i know it made sundance in 2009 so wow that took a little while to get some steam yeah i think it was probably one of the writers like passion projects and then you just got to wait till you get like actors attached director attached and you can actually make it but um final fun fact did you notice the blue centric um color scheme in this movie like there was blue everywhere well her eyes are so blue and a lot of like the close-ups are of her face her wallpaper's blue she mostly like summer like mostly wears blue outfits so Mm -hmm. i think like a lot of that probably just tied into the theme of this entire film revolving around like the portrayal of summer yeah I, I like that point, like the the portrayal, or I think of it as like the idea of her, the idea of this like perfect specimen of a human being who is like your long lost love. And yeah, she's got like all these cool blue colors tied to her. Whereas this like blue ribbon in her hair, like all this kind of stuff. And they did say that they said they, they wanted it to, they wanted the color scheme to match her eyes because her eyes are so prominent. And um, the only time they, they, it said they only showed red a couple times in this movie. And one of the only times they showed it was at the very end. It was the dress that Autumn, who is supposed to represent like new beginnings. The next phase of his life. She was wearing red. Totally I think different color scheme. Yeah, yeah. So just interesting stuff. Um, okay, do you want to guess some Rotten Tomatoes? See what this movie netted out. Oh, man. Well, this one, it was a sleeper, right? So, like, just some stats, it said that it had a $7.5 million budget, but it grossed over $60 million worldwide. So, I'm going to say, since the fans liked it, maybe, like, a 92% on Rotten Tomatoes. I love that optimism. I love it. <laughs> what? What is it? No, I don't know. I have, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to guess, too. I Before I look, I would guess... 86 but i'm hoping that i'm wrong and it's in the 90s and you win this because i love it okay 500 days of summer rotten tomatoes big money big money out of 230 critic scores this movie comes in at a whopping certified fresh 85 percent Audience score, 84. Dang. I think it's one of those things where the there's just always going to be a certain subset of an audience who just, because they didn't end up together in the end, they just don't like that. You know? They're just like, nope. They didn't end up together. I'm not on board with this movie. I mean, this movie has it all. Music, karaoke, Zoe Deschanel, the guy from Super Troopers. I mean, what else do you want? That is such a perfect transition into our character breakdowns on this movie, <laughs> Michelle M. Zoe Deschanel. 
I think we're really going to differ on this. This is what I was telling you on text. Like, I, what are your okay, thoughts? You, you kick it off. What are your are thoughts? Are we digesting her as an actress or as her, the character, Summer? As an actress. I would, I'm not judging her as a character because I think as an, a character in this movie, she portrayed that role perfectly. Like she nailed yeah. it. Like she, she conveyed perfectly in this movie that like intoxicating, like even when he was mad at her or like realized that this was never going to work out. And she just clearly at her core was not that into him, even though like he was so into her and they were trying to make it work she would just do these little things that would just like draw him in. Like he could, like when they were getting into that argument and she would just like look at him with like a sheepish grin and like, it would just melt him. Yeah. I felt like she crushed that. She crushed yeah, she's it. Like, she's an excellent summer. So, okay. So Zoe Deschanel, we have a long history together. Um, whenever the first time I saw this movie, I was like, I want to be her. I'm obsessed. She's in She and Him. Love the sound of that band. I love her voice. It's so unique. I just think that she's incredibly talented. She obviously got married to Ben Gibbard from Death Cab for Cutie, which is another one of my favorite what? bands. Yeah, they were married for like, I want to say almost four years. And then I believe she divorced him for like the film director for a new film that was coming out in like 2014 and but she ended up having two babies with that other guy but they're not together anymore it kind of crushed me whenever two of my favorites got divorced but i mean it can't be that easy to be married to like an emo kid like ben gibbard like be real but that makes so much sense that she would get married to an emo kid oh my god it was like the best thing in the world so that I don't like blame her for it, but it still kind of sucked. But I'm still on team Zoe De Chanel. But I, I loved New Girl, still do. That show cracks me up. I think that she, that kind of shows her range in a way too, because in that show, she's so different than the character Summer. Yeah. I. What's your take on New Girl? Uh, are you all in? Because I. It was. It's been on my. It's like one of those shows where I always notice it. I think it's on Netflix. And I always notice it. And I love that actor, that uh, main guy who has a beard a lot of times. His name is Jake Mm -hmm. in real life. Um, I love him as an actor. And so, like, I always see New Girl, but I'm never sure, like, Oh, you should give it a try. It's it's really good. Obviously, I love Zoe Deschanel, so I'm on. And then um, it's also based in Los Angeles, so it's a theme. But the guy roommates in New Girl, I think, really make the show. Like, the character balance is awesome. And I just, like, crack up every time I watch it. It's really easy to watch. Um, Like most shows, including How I Met Your Mother, it probably went a couple seasons long. Mm. But we can't really blame them for that because every show seems to be like that these days. But, no, it's super funny, and it's, it's good to watch, especially during, like, this quarantine stuff. But, um, okay, so my one beef with Zoe Deschanel, and Zoe, if you're listening to this, I still love you. She's probably listening. I, I mean, I think that's probably on her radar. Like, Yeah, I, she's probably listening. Yeah. I just cannot believe that she's a Jonathan Scott, the property brother. What? Such a dude. Yeah, they date in real life. Which property brother? Which one? Which twin? The one who um, is like the worker one, the contractor. Oh, good, good. The blue collar one? Yeah. The guy yeah. who wears flannel. Thank yeah. fucking God. Because if she was getting with that bitch businessman guy with the slick back hair, that twin, I'd have been so fucking pissed. So, okay, cool. She's so with she's like the with man. The, the manly one, Jonathan. But okay, I saw like a vulture quote today, like vulture.com. It says that Zoe Deschanel and Jonathan Scott 
are the celebrity couple equivalent of a live, laugh, love wall decal. And I was like, that is so perfect. That is true. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. God. Okay. How that... do you go from Ben Gibbard to Jonathan Scott? Like, I just don't understand. Some people, like, don't have a type. And, and it always blows my mind because I personally – have a very distinct type. Like there is a very clear type of female that I am attracted to. And I just, I never understand people who can kind of like change it up. Like, yeah, a super emo guy. And then you like transition into like a uh, flannel wearing like, like construction HGTV, hard hat. Like, yeah. Like, I don't know. I mean, like, I think that Ben Gibbard is like a musical genius. And this guy, like, is he works with his hands. And kind of dorky. I don't know. But you know what? Their life's hard enough. If they're happy together, which they seem happy, more power to them. I just don't get it. Whatever. Who do you think has better sex between those two dudes? Are you thinking the man, like the manly guy, or? I, I would feel that probably their sex is really similar, just given the fact that they're identical twins. So they probably no, 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 no. The <laughs> the two dudes, not the brothers. <laughs> brothers like which property oh they're twins uh, they're that? twins i know they have sex the exact same so <laughs> that's a given i'm asking the property brother the manly property brother she's currently with versus emo kid from death cab she used to be with wow what a good question i would yeah, have to say ben Gibbard. i mean he's gonna be very tender and loving where jonathan will probably be really weird and like do something that should be on camera you know what i mean just that's his like his go-to now everything is like reality tv Oh yeah, I just yeah. don't like find him sexy, so it's hard for me to imagine. Yeah, totally. No one, I've never had this conversation with anyone before, though. So I mean, it's the first thing that always pops into my head when I'm analyzing two dudes, like who has sex better. <laughs> um, okay, can I tell you why I hate Zoe Deschanel? Yes, it stems one hundred percent from. Do you remember this old iPhone? 4s commercial that she used to do where uh, you know what i'm gonna actually play a clip i'm gonna put a clip in right now you won't be able to see it but you can just hear it here it is yeah is that rain yes it appears to be raining oh let's get tomato soup delivered i found a number of restaurants whose reviews mentioned tomato soup and that deliver good because i don't want to put on real shoes remind me to clean up tomorrow Okay, I'll remind you. Excellent. Today, we're dancing. Play, shake, rattle, and roll. She's wearing these, like, full-length pajamas. Pajama pants, uh, pajama, like, buttoned, fully buttoned up and down, uh, long-sleeve shirt. She's got the 1960s bangs straight across, and she's eating, like, a, a bowl of Campbell's soup, making me want to vomit. And oh God. she's just like, it's like Siri 1.0. And she's just asking Siri like stupid fucking oh, questions. And I remember this ad campaign. Her, just her, her, the, how excited she is like prancing around like a fucking idiot, like talking to Siri, just how much she gets into like this stupid ass conversation with her fucking cell phone as she's like smugly and pretentiously eating a bowl of soup. And like dancing around her to tiptoes in her house by herself when it's raining outside. <laughs> I've hated her forever since that commercial. And 
no amount of her crushing seven seasons on New Girl will change that for me. Wow. Well, no. I'm sure now as she's listening to this, she probably has a lot of regrets about that campaign too. So I get Good it. Good point. Yeah. Um, Zoe, we both know you're listening. Sorry, but not everything you do is going to be a, a smash hit. And your iPhone 4S commercial was a massive fucking miss. Okay. Do you want to go into her career or do you want to just like move to JGL? Why don't we just quickly highlight some of her films and then we'll go to JGL. I think that we all need to call out everyone's favorite seasonal movie, Elf. We get to hear those lovely pipes. We get to see her as a blonde. She's the love interest of Will Ferrell, the human elf. Mm -hmm. So I always thought that was an odd couple, but still not as weird as Jonathan Scott. Um, So that was a good one. What else? We had Almost Famous where she's the older sister, where she tells him one day you'll be cool or something like that before she runs off and makes her way in the world. So that was a pretty epic movie that we had her in. You know, I have a fun fact on that. She actually went to high school with Kate Hudson. Really? Yeah. That is a fun fact. Do you think they ate lunch together and maybe like carpooled to school together sometimes? 100%. Yeah. I mean, if I had to guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, only other thing worth noting I had on her is younger sister of Emily Deschanel from Bones, who I think is quite the smoke show. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Little I think M? She is way more attracted. I don't know. I, I know they're sisters and they look very similar, but I just am way more attracted to, I think, the bone structure of Emily's face versus Zoe's. I think you're, you also have PTSD from Zoe Deschanel. Yes. <laughs> All right. You ready to move to JGL? Always. Joseph Gordon Levitt, a.k.a. Tom. We did, so on this pod, we did the movie 10 Things I Hate About You. We did a big deep dive on, on some of the things on JGL. So I won't, I won't get super in-depth on, like, fun facts on him. But I do, unless you, do you have anything worth noting on him off the bat? I just want to say that I loved Angels in the Outfield when I was growing up. Oh, yeah. So I, I sometimes still do like the angel movement with your arms. For those on the podcast, I am doing the angel movement wave with both arms at, the, at this time. But um, I'm just so happy for him and this amazing career he's had. Inception, brilliant. Oh, my God. So let's go into his movies because he's got like a resume that is just amazing. To your point, Angels in the Outfield, it's got to be done on this pod at some point. (laughs) It's so, that movie, Danny Glover, Tony Danza, uh, Matthew McConaughey has like a cameo in that movie as like an outfielder on the baseball team. Super weird to look back and see now. Um, Mm -hmm. But you know what, JGL, like when he was a kid, all in the eyes, like he's got these like sorrowful eyes and it even carried into later in life where I, I feel like that's why he was perfect for this movie because you could just see like pain in his eyes. Do you I feel that way? I do. I just think he's a versatile actor. I mean, did you ever see Don John? Oh my God. I love Don John. I did too. And then he didn't, his pain was a lot different in that film, but so good. Oh my God. I'm surprised that you liked that. Because that's like very much a dude movie. Like it's a guy who's addicted to porn and he starts dating Scarlett Johansson. He's like a Jersey dude. He's like a Jersey Shore guy. He's all ripped. And that's, that's JGL in that movie. And then 
He's with Scojo. Yeah, and uh, Julianne Moore's in that movie too. Like, mm-hmm. God, that movie's so good. It really Damn. is. It's 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 a sleeper. Yeah, a lot good of people call. rule it out just because like his character is kind of like that toxic like Jersey Shore guy, but it's actually a really really good movie. I agree with you on Don John. Love Angels in the Outfield. Inception obviously is amazing. The only one I wrote down here that I also really liked didn't get as much praise as I thought it should have was uh, Snowden, if you ever saw that. I have not seen it, but I'll have to check it out so I can uh, find some of that pain behind his eyes. Wow, yeah. what hasn't this man been in? I'm like looking through and it's quite extensive. So the only thing that I think it was amiss was um, The Dark Knight Rises, but honestly, that's not JGL's fault. That movie, I just have massive problems with in general. Well, that's also a Christopher Nolan movie who did Inception, so he probably was on like a JGL kick for a little while. Yeah, do you know, by the way, on Inception, do you know that that role was initially, it it was written for uh, James Franco in Inception, and he had it, and ended up having to like back out at the last minute for whatever reason, and that's why JGL got that role in Inception. Wow, he lucked out. Although I would have loved to see Franco. Can you imagine Franco on screen next to a Leo, Leo DiCaprio? Fuck. That's like too much hot guy on the screen at the same time. I, I worry about that, you know, for the kids' eyes. Yeah, all of English-speaking America would probably just explode. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> yeah. um, okay, I actually... So if you've heard this podcast, you know I have to give an MCITW winner to get our fine sponsor some love on this pod. I love this movie so much. It connects to me personally in so many ways and so many of the characters I think are absolutely perfect in the role that they're in. So I couldn't give it to any individual character. But there's one thing that bothered me about Tom. So there's an article of clothing that he wears that I want to give this MCITW to. But before I do, I have to say MCITW. That's the Marissa Cooper is the worst of the week, and it is brought to you by Wicklowware. W I C K L O W Wear. Be free and explore. Get all your outdoor gear at Wicklowware.com. Type in the promo code VL at checkout. Get 10% off of your order. Kids, $30 on the baseball tees, $20 on the tanks, $40 on the hooded sweatshirts. Get at us for all of our swag. Wicklowware.com. I am going to give the MCITW on this podcast to Tom's Puma Gym Shoes. I thought you were going to give it to his wrinkly skinny tie. That I'm like 50-50 on because it's like I know skinny ties are in right now and they've been in. Yes, he wears it like with cardigans a lot, which kind of bothers me, but maybe like a half nod to the tie. But for the most part, (laughs) I want to give it to the Puma gym shoes. He's always wearing like slacks. Like he's not a jean guy, Tom, in this movie. He's he's wearing slacks, (laughs) fitted. Slim fit, skinny fit, slacks. Looks like they're from Banana Republic. Love that store and all the parent mm-hmm. options. Or Express Men. I know, Dan, your, your husband is a big Express Men guy. Could be Express Pants. But what I do know is that, that those pants are not suited for Puma gym shoes to be worn underneath them. Like, it makes your entire leg look terrible. Also, Puma gym shoes... You could you could be wearing a size 15 Puma gym shoe and it looks like you're wearing a six in women's. Like, I don't know why Pumas make dudes 
feet look super tiny. And you know that saying, tiny feet, tiny cock. I don't want to think about JGL with a tiny cock. I don't think anybody wants to think that because that's just not fair. It doesn't match. So on this podcast, JGL, you don't get it, but your Puma gym shoes get it. Maybe we should just not even give it to JGL. We give it to like the fashion coordinator on the show or like the costume designer because she really dropped the fucking ball on his footwear. So with that, we'll say wicklowwear.com, be free and explore, get fucked, the shoes. Okay. Actually, I was going to give my Marissa Cooper is the worst award to Chloe Grace Moretz's mom. So at the very beginning of this film is letting her, I'm going to assume 10-year-old daughter ride around in downtown Los Angeles in the middle of the night to go give her brother some vodka because he can't handle his breakup. Yes, I love Chloe's character, but I'm like, what mother would allow this? So That is such a good one. Like, God, that is perfect. Because the mom who's never shown in this entire movie, <laughs> she's off, she's never shown. They didn't actually doesn't have Doesn't go to her daughter's soccer practice ever. Yeah, no, let's do a co-MCITW then. The P- Tom's Puma shoes and then Tom and... Chloe Grace Moretz's mom because wow did she fucking fail I mean she has one son who came out like the biggest pussy in the world and then her daughter (laughs) (laughs) poor shoe choice and then her daughter I okay I don't understand I I love I just want to say this first and foremost I love Chloe Grace Moretz her and kick-ass kick-ass we did it on this pod it's one of my favorite movies she is amazing I love her a lot I think we're all on board with Chloe Grace. I just always have problems with the super wise, like nine-year-old, precocious nine-year-old. That character- She's had to raise herself, basically. What else do you expect? I just, they always have this character in movies, like the super wise eight-year-old. And and it's always wild because I'm like, I've never met an eight-year-old this wise and smart with like life experience. And like, she's, she's always saying to Tom, like, Tom, this is just part of life, dude. I mean, breakups are part of life, Tom. You'll see that as you go along. She's talking like a someone who's like war torn and been through like all the shit in life. She's just ask her like, how she feels. The only reason why you won't is because you're scared of the answer that it might not be what you want to hear. It's like boom. What kind of ten year old would say that? Being the worst. Some of her lines in this movie, though, we'll play them when we get into the actual movie, are just like they're wise. <laughs> they are wise. <laughs> They are. She yeah. is. She said, but I know it's not her. It's no, it's not an eight-year-old. It's the writers. But anyway, so she's in it. Uh, you mentioned the guy from Super Troopers. Uh, he's in Super Troopers. He's the guy who just has to eat all the bat, like the all the weed at the beginning of the movie. Candy bars. He's amazing. He's amazing in this movie too. I got him coming up in a big way later. Um, yeah. Okay. Do you want to transition into the movie with a little Regina Specter? Oh, I would love to.
I just want to say on Regina Spector, a big Regina Spector fan sitting right Chef here. Chef Kiss. Oh my God. Do you know, fun fact about me, there was a time like three or four years ago for my birthday, the only thing that I could request was like, hey, you know what? I've never seen Regina Spector live. <laughs> got us tickets to a Regina Spector show. Like, I can't remember. It might have been like Detroit or something. So it was literally like us driving from Cincinnati four hours over to Detroit and then going to a Regina Spector concert. And I got to say, magical experience. I well, am- I'm very happy for you. I hope to one day have that pleasure myself. You know what's wild is she's one of these people that like she's so dainty and like tiny and it's just wild you hear her speaking voice and she kind of talks like this and she just like kind of when she's she's in between songs so just kind of like be like you know hey guys how are you doing thank you so much for coming out to my show and then she has these like pipes and you're just like where's that coming from amazing she's so talented and her songwriting style is so unique i mean i feel like her music just stands out I love that song so much. That song, so her concert, it was one of those concerts though, where like she's playing like all of her new shit the whole time, like singing her songs that no one in the audience had ever heard. And then she waited until the encore. And then she just, she didn't sing any of the hits the whole time for like two hours. And then everyone's sitting there in like a big stadium and like samson fuck <laughs> samson sing it sing samson i haven't heard samson yet samson <laughs> come back to bed got that little hair on his head <laughs> oh my god um samson loves samson but yeah she didn't sing that or us or any of her big songs and then like got to the encore and then it was like it's like a fucking machine gun of like all of her hits she sang like Honestly, I think it was like five additional songs for an encore, and it was all of her massive hits, and everyone's just going fucking wild because you had been just getting drunk and like waiting, building for two hours, waiting to hear us. I'm guessing she played us, and it was like epic. That song is very long too. It's like a five minute long song. So us and uh, Fidelity. Yeah, Fidelity is also another one. So good. I mean, we Regina Spector. We we do not deserve her. Fun fact. Did you know that she taught herself English by listening to English music? Because her actual uh, native language is Russian. Russian. Yeah, she did. uh, I did not know that. Good fun fact. Um, I know when I was at the concert, she did a couple just songs in full Russian. Yeah, she has a few on her album. And that's why her English vocabulary is so unique. Because she's pulling from all these different languages and then translating them. Yeah. No, I love, look. I'm a huge Regina Spector fan. I'm glad that you're really into her too because she's just amazing. But anyways, back to the movie, there's an opening clip that I do want to play, which is it's the opening um, narration of what to expect in this whole movie. And I'll be honest, usually I'm not a big fan of narration. I don't like it. I feel like it's a cheap trick to, I I feel like if you can't tell the story without a narrator, you're failing. But I like the way that they set it up with a narrator in this movie. Here it is. This is a story of boy meets girl. The boy, Tom Hansen of Margate, New Jersey, grew up believing that he'd never truly be happy until the day he met 
the one. The girl, Summer Finn of Shinnecock, Michigan, did not share this belief. Tom meets Summer on January 8th. He knows almost immediately she's who he's been searching for. This is a story of boy meets girl. But you should know up front, this is not a love story. Tom's a hopeless romantic. And Summer is not. <laughs> I think that's what we can gauge here. Mm -hmm. Another thing I noticed is that right off the bat, you see that this is going to be like a scattered timeline movie. It's not going to be linear. Yep. We bounce um, back between the 500 days that Tom is basically obsessed with Summer. Like the beginning, like the day, like one through 40s, basically pursuing her. Then they have their quote unquote relationship, if you'll call it that, even though we don't want to put labels on anything. And then the, the healing part after everything is basically over. Mm -hmm. So those are the 500 days of summer for those who haven't indulged in the film yet. It's a good point because I almost feel like in those 500 days, he goes through the five stages of grief, all of them. Like mm -hmm. he hits them all like depression, anger, denial, jealousy, yeah, confusion. Yep. He hits them all. I will say, if I can get deep for a second, Michelle M., I feel like the reason that they did this scattered timeline almost as if you're the person who's looking back on a broken relationship. And when you're looking back in time at a relationship that failed, it's not linear. You don't think about it from like beginning of the relationship to the end and like all the end. You just you're scatterbrained about it. You think back on like different moments and one moment might be from the very beginning of your relationship. Another, then you start thinking about like something that happened at the very end and your head is just like all over the place, like thinking back on different moments. And that's yep. why I felt like they edited the movie this way to like portray that. I agree with you. And I feel like I've read something in the past that like the human mind, if you're dealing with like pain or trauma like this, it will naturally lead you to remember the good things to help alleviate some of like the trouble and pain that you're going through. However, our genius little sister, Chloe Grace said, Joe, don't get to this yet. I, I know. Wait, wait on this. Cause I'm with you. I want to get into this in a big way, but let's, that comes later. So let's just pause, but we'll, um, we'll save it for the kids. We'll save it for the kids. But yes, I, I think that this narrator gives us this story in a, like a mixed timeline so that way we can put the pieces together as the audience to try to figure out where things went wrong. Yeah, I agree. Because I think as the audience is trying to piece together what went wrong, Tom is doing the same thing. And spoken from someone who, again, I've been in Tom's shoes, had that one big breakup where there wasn't a big thing. There wasn't like a big crescendo, like cheating, you know, like it was leading, everything was great. And then there was a big cheating scandal or it's just over. Yeah. There wasn't a big thing. So I related so much to that element of like all you're doing when it ends, when that person just decides they're not into you anymore, all you're doing is thinking back and trying to figure out like, when did this happen? When did the switch flip? Like, when did it go from she was into me to when she wasn't? And you're trying to like, like you said, like the audience is doing, put those pieces together the same as Tom is. Yeah. 
so, but yeah, like you were saying, at the root of it, we've kind of got our character, like, I guess, like your standard male female traits flip flopped, where in this case, the male is the, like, the hopeless romantic, and the female is the cynic who doesn't believe in love and doesn't want anything serious, wants to be very, like, label free, if that, like, just totally just float through it. Yep. So that's, I think, a little unique for a viewer, especially when this movie came out. I feel like now, a lot of, like, you know, a decade later, people are a little bit more, like, less about, like, gender roles and things along those lines. But when this came out, people were still very much along that line. So it's kind of like an immediate mindfuck, you know, the way that this rolled out. You're spot on. And this came out 10 years ago. It's so wild to think that, holy shit, this is 10 years ago, where all the gender stereotypes that are happening in this movie, it's like, what? That was only 11 years, 10 years ago? What, what the fuck? Uh, how? How is that? It feels like it's I'm fly, 50 man. years ago. But what I can say is I have been on the losing end and the winning end of the power <laughs> dynamic in relationships throughout different points in my life. And I don't think it's gender specific. So I, I know what you're saying. I, I get, I'm like, I'm, I'm in on like, yeah, normally you see like the dude doesn't care and, and he's like more disconnected and everything. I sure. agree. That is usually how it goes, but God damn. For the general viewing audience of the pike, the 60 million people, you know, that went and paid money to go see this film. I think that that's kind of like where we're at as a society when this came out. So he's, we've got, we've got the flip flop. He's the romantic. She's the cynic. They tell us that right up front, literally within the first like 30 seconds of the movie. We all know that she has the summer effect, which is what they call where um, like everywhere she goes, she averages like nine head turns like on the bus or on her way to work. There, she just has that effect on people. And obviously Tom, our main character, JGL, just totally falls for it too. I think you've tapped into just this X factor. She's got this yeah. X factor, this je ne sais quoi, whatever. You just don't. <laughs> Nailed it can't put your finger on exactly what it is but yes when she walks into a room the dudes are looking when she's in a, engaged in a conversation with a dude he's fully locked in and engaged and there's she is not she's captivating she's she, gorgeous she's yeah. funny she's not just physically beautiful like she's an interesting person yes very interesting very smart it just shows you that you don't need to be like a perfect model 10 out of 10. I don't think anyone would say that Zoe Deschanel is a perfect model. Obviously, she's very attractive, but she's not like, you know, uh, fucking. She's not this stupid. She's not an Instagram model. She's like, yeah. like a classic beauty, but she's also extremely unique. And she doesn't, like, even yeah. right now, like, I could tell that you're like reaching for a comparison. There's really no one to compare her with. She's like no. a mixture of all sorts of genres and decades of style she's not slutty even though a lot of guys who can't understand her in this movie like some of like tom's friends were like oh she's like a, a robo bitch or something like that but she's not they just no one can figure her out so they just try to make assumptions god she owns i look i hate zoe Deschanel as an actress but this this role that character owns like talk about just like I, I really think whoever has the most control in a relationship dynamic is the person who cares a little less. They always seem to have the upper hand. And I really feel like she just is, she has this indifference and this like, I care less than you. 
and it's like intoxicating. You want to have her be in your crew or be dating you so bad because you can't figure her out. And she's such an enigma and she's such a mystery. And it is like fucking intoxicating. I can't keep using that word, but like it's the only it's thing true. I can think of. Like, you but just in the want- more you try, the worse it gets. Yes. Which yes. is kind of, I think, the eventual demise. We don't have to get there yet. Okay. No. So he's. He's he's really into her. We'll fast forward slightly. He gets like he's he's courting her. He's trying to get her into him. He's not able to do it. He just keeps hitting a roadblock and he can't make it happen. But he was being very lazy with his courtship until he finally found himself in the right situation, and which was what? The karaoke night. Yes. I want to first use this. So we are going to do a full extensive deep dive on this karaoke night. But before we get into what happens at that party, I want to use this as a transition to get into one of our key characters who really comes to fucking life at karaoke night. And that is the first nominee on our Ryan Phillippe Practice Hero Award list. Here it is. It's easy to sum it up when you just talk about practice. We sitting here, we in here talking about practice. We talking about practice. Not a game, not a game, not a game. We talking about practice. We talking about practice, man. Practice? I mean, how silly is that? Ryan Phillippe practice. What does practice. that mean, though? Yeah, Ryan hold Phillippe on. practice hero. That's how I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lay it out. Ryan Phillippe is, when we were doing I Know What You Did Last Summer podcast on that movie, Ryan Phillippe just jumped off the fucking screen into our, into our face and into our loins. He is the biggest practice hero of all time. Like every scene he is in, he is just like at 127%. And he's just like... <laughs> Practice like, hero, got he, it. He's, he's that guy in practice. You remember, like, probably when you oh, were doing yeah. high school sports, where there's someone who's like always going so hard and like trying to impress the coaches, and you're just like, "This isn't even a fucking game, dude. Like, this isn't a game. Take it down a notch. No one goes over like seventy percent in practice. Fucking idiot. Like, stop trying to make me look bad. I'm not trying to get winded right now. Anyways, so Ryan Phillippe is the poster child of practice hero. So I have some nominees from each movie that I think fit this mold. And I want to lay three nominees out to you. And I want you to pick who you think is the biggest practice hero. Okay. First one, the guy from Super Troopers who comes like a bat out of hell alive in this fucking karaoke scene. Pretty sure he, he sings proud to be an American, gets blacked out. It blacked out. I mean, this is the guy from Super Troopers who eats all that weed at the beginning. He's Tom's best friend. He gets blacked out at karaoke night because he just loves to sing. <laughs> and he loves to party. I mean, but who does it? But okay, I'm sorry. If getting blacked out during karaoke is a crime, lock me up. Oh my God, lock you so up. Yeah. We Locked should tell the kids, like, Michelle, she will get up there on stage and do a little singing, professionally and personally when she's drunk. Yep. I've been singing all day. I've had that. You, hey, why don't karaoke. you give a plug? Give a plug to uh, the band that you do a little background vocals on. Well, you know, there's this uh, band I do a little background vocals on. So 
um, Yoni Music. You can find us on Instagram at Yoni Music. Find us on Spotify, Yoni Music, Y-O-N-Y. But we're very much upbeat, alt-rock, kind of like group love I like to compare it to. Oh, um, yeah. A lot of people having a good time, good harmonies, good music. So, yes, but I, I have always loved singing karaoke. It's Hold on. You, we we got to tell the kids, you're out in los angeles making dreams come true as a background vocalist like you're in you're in the world you're in the scene yes i am in the scene so we, we typically play around west hollywood and it's been one of the most fun things of my life just getting like back out there and doing it with everybody um obviously there's this little thing called COVID 19 that you may have heard of bro. what is that what is that it's like it's kind of like the flu i mean that's basically everyone you know so just kidding, it's serious, but <laughs> we it's pretty serious. Like we're like almost a two hundred fifty people. Two hundred fifty thousand people have died from it, but in the US alone. So Hey, don't worry, we know the kids know it's serious. The they kids know. know. So I was just trying to brush over it because it's really sucky. But so yeah. we haven't been doing a lot of shows lately, but we have been working on music on the side and we have some new songs that are about to come out soon. So check out um, that Instagram page. Nice yeah. live drop, Michelle. So you're a karaoke person. I love that. Um, I am not a karaoke person. I don't know. You would crush. Look, I know. I know I would. (laughs) I appreciate you saying that, but I don't know what it is. I don't like the forced being on display. I love being on display on my own terms. And like, I love being the center of attention. If I'm like at a party or whatever, I like being the center of attention, but it's got to be on my terms. I don't like the forced like hey, get up on stage bd you gotta be funny you gotta be funny up on stage pussy <laughs> just like no well nobody Fuck likes no. that but if you so do you want a karaoke tip yeah so i like to have a couple karaoke songs in my back pocket and i'll write them like in my notes section on my iphone so if I'm on a run or if I'm, you know, at Kroger and I hear a song that I like love and I know like the back of my hand, you know, maybe like an oldie or what we would consider oldies, I'll write it down and then I'll like listen to it a lot. So that way I'm ready when I find myself at a karaoke bar, whenever that they're, we're able to go again, I, I have a good song that I'm happy with ready and then I can like wow everybody and I feel this awesome sense of empowerment. But whenever you are like being forced to do it and you don't have a song picked, it's really nerve wracking. Sure. I like that. It's, it, it's just, it's all about preparation is key. It kind of reminds me of like when you see those scenes, like an anchor man, when he's got that jazz flute, like oh, in his sleeve. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. What? Uh, what? Oh, dude, get up there. Get up there. And then you're just like, I oh, me? I'm not ready. I'm not prepared. He like pulls it out of his pocket. <laughs> it's exactly like that. Yeah. So I feel like BD, you would be so good. And now maybe you have your song. Okay. J-E-L. Regina Spector. Oh, yeah. Samson. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. I just go up there and sing Samson, and no one in the audience has any <laughs> idea what the fuck that song is. I'm just go up there. I'm like, Samson, Samson come back, back to bed. To bed. Take that little hair off your head, some wonder bread. Okay, but the one real person. Sing a Michael Jackson song, pussy. Sing All Star. That might be good, though. Sing Creed. Why are you singing Nickelback? Yeah. But okay, back on track. Let's give all three nominees. So the first one is Tom's best friend. I'm going to play a quick clip here of him blacked out spilling the beans at karaoke night that Tom is actually into summer. Here it is. 
You were amazing. I know, buddy. You're amazing. <laughs> this was so much fun. You guys are so much better. Wait, wait, hey. What's up? Not you. You. <laughs> he likes you. Okay. He Good likes, night, McKenzie. He likes you. Why don't you just tell her, Tom? <laughs> Sorry. Amazing clip. I have something to say about oh, this. Oh, okay. Scene. So yeah. our best friend is blacked out getting in the cab. He's like, he's like, wait, summer, summer, summer. Tom really likes you. He's like obsessed with you. And then this is where our heroine, Summer, I feel, makes her first mistake. Because throughout mm. the film, her number one redeeming quality was that she was very transparent up front, saying she didn't want a relationship, she didn't want a label, she didn't want to be anybody's anything, she wasn't looking for anything serious, just wanted to be friends. Yep. And then at this moment, whenever, you know, drunk Ryan Phillippe drives away, this is when Summer's looking at Tom. She's like, is that true? Do you really like me? And she's giving him, like, all of the Summer effect, like, so hard. Mm -hmm. And he's, like, being all bashful and nervous. Like, they're all a little drunk. And he's like, no, well, yes, maybe. And she is totally giving him mixed signals. Oh. Okay? Like, I have Zoe's back. Zoe, if you're still listening, I've got your back, girl. That was a little bit confusing. And that was one of three times where you were very, very confusing. Okay, but here's my counter on why she actually owns is mixed signals and keeping the guy completely confused as fuck. And even as a viewer, you're just like, what the fuck? What is she doing? Is she, is she into him? Is she not? I almost feel like that's you owning the gameplay. And I don't think that she like is like a puppeteer in this one. I think that some people are like that in general, but I don't feel like that's Summer. She's just more like aloof. But that, okay, I so let me ask you this fair. then. Do you think she's unintentionally then owning the fuck out of this game between her I and Tom? Think, I do think that she's unintentionally owning the fuck out of the game. I think that she's into this Tom thing as long as it serves her yeah. or something better doesn't come. But I don't think that she's manipulating him on purpose. Correct. I agree. I don't think she, to your point, I don't think she's a puppet master. Like, Oh, I'm going to do this move. And then he'll be, yeah. I don't think she's thinking that far ahead. She, she's inadvertently owning the shit out of this game because yep. she cares less. That's why I always say, I know it's a joke, but I, I <laughs> yeah. Okay. Let's go way back. Let's, let's try again to put this train back on the tracks for the Ryan yes. Phillippe award. We now know the, this guy, Tom's friend who's blacked out at this karaoke night is a massive <laughs> part of, of Ryan being a practice hero. My second nominee, we've already <laughs> talked about her aforementioned Chloe Grace Moretz. I have to put her on here because honestly, just the precocious wise eight year old to me is just the definition of just doing way too much for an eight year old. Don't love it. I'm going to have to disagree with you, but I get it. Number three, this guy, wow. He is listed in the credits as douche. That's it. Oh, the guy from the bar? Yeah. Yo, how's it going? Uh, okay. So let me buy you a drink. No, thank you. You with this guy? Hey, I'm Tom. Whatever. So come on, one drink. What are you drinking? I said no, thanks. You're serious. 
this guy. Hey, Bonnie. You know what? Don't be rude. I'm flattered, but I'm not interested. So why don't you go over there and leave us alone? Thanks. Can't believe this is your boyfriend. He, well, but he was an important character. He reminded me of a guy who refuses to wear a face mask in public. Oh, yeah. Good, good timely reference. Yeah, totally. Definitely. Yes. You paint a perfect picture. He's the guy who won't wear a mask. Who, like, can't handle that the girl he's trying to hit on or buy a drink isn't into it. It's nothing personal. She's just not into you, and he doesn't know how to handle it, and he's, like, seems like a, a Wall Street kind of wearing a suit, kind of being really aggressive. (laughs) I love this guy. I love this guy. If this guy ever shows up in a movie, I'm putting him on my Ryan Philby award nominee list. Like that douche, like that frat boy douche at the bar who's just blacked out trying to fuck anything with a pulse. He's a caveman Neanderthal. He's only thinking about a couple things. Fire, sex, (laughs) Water. <laughs> maybe water, maybe that's third. Who knows if he has the mental capacity for that? But, yes. You know, he definitely is. There. That's so funny that you said that. But the, I think it's amazing because I've never seen a character who's actually listed in the credits without a name. He is just listed as douche, which is the best. So you got those three nominees. You got Tom's best friend, who's the blacked out guy who tells her that Tom's actually into her. You got Chloe Grace Moretz, who's the super precocious eight-year-old, who's wise as fuck, yep. and then the douche at the bar. Who do you think, Michelle, is the Ryan Phillippe practice hero of this movie? I think it's going to be the best friend, because the guy from Super Troopers, because, um, sorry kids, eventually whenever we get closer to, you know, closer to like 402 days of summer, um, our main character here, Tom, does quit, and he does this huge epic quitting speech. And at that moment, whenever he storms out, and it's oh, very I know, yeah, his best friend, our Ryan Phillippe, starts a slow clap, a failed slow clap, which and nobody starts joining him. And it oh, is yeah, epic. love so that. I think that is an example of being the practice hero, right? Uh, yeah. I think that that is the perfect distillation of what the practice hero is, is yeah, you start <laughs> a slow clap and no one joins. That, I mean, one. That, that alone doesn't win you the Ryan Philby practice hero award. I don't know what would. I mean, there is nothing more pathetic in you doing like too much. So maybe like doing the wave at a game and no one does it with you and you just keep going. But yeah, this that, guy yeah okay. that's also so pathetic. It's his best friend. It's definitely his best friend. Okay, okay, so cool. I, so okay, so they're they have the sexual attention. She knows he's under her. That's like a Friday. We're assuming the seed is planted. Um, I'm what I'm gonna call Monday based on the counter of the days. It was only like three days later, and that's when she kisses him in the coffee room, which yeah. is like the hottest thing in the world, I think. Oh my god, yeah, like workplace. Everyone's screaming like on the other side of the screen. Yeah. But in the timeline, I like the the point in the timeline where they actually hook up. So now we're at this point where she's into him. She's into him. Okay, we're we're good. They're now dating. Like so, he got well, without it without labels. But we're gonna use air quotes. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Correct. We'll say dating with air quotes because she will not like fully say she's his girlfriend and it's official. But they're doing everything that you do when you date. I mean, 
they're they're hanging out all the time they they're just they go like, on this epic ikea date where they're role-playing they're having fun they're making each other laugh they're having a truly what i feel a unique moment that they that they've never done with anybody else it feels like an authentic date she's holding she's grabbing his hand so uh, as much as like i'm gonna defend summer to the grave like that's a mix of no, I, I agree that that, though, is a perfect transition into the the th- scene that we already talked about where we got Mark Webb, who's like putting his full like direct music videos to test where him and Summer, they're they're quote unquote, like we said, dating. They have sex for the first time. Tom is like on cloud fucking 10. There's He's, cartoon bluebirds flying around. Yeah. And so this song starts playing. I loved the dance sequence. I, I loved it because I, it to me, it just seemed like a nod to Mark Webb. I'm a music video director. I'm going to get a dance sequence. There's yeah. a marching band. It's epic. And the, I, honestly, the, you know, back to the fun fact we talked about at the beginning of this movie, the, the blue color scheme in this dance sequence was like oh. on fucking tilt. It was, everyone was wearing blue like they would they would only bring workers in who had blue in their uniform like a post office guy who has blue in his uniform or like a painter who was wearing blue overalls there are two like cheerleader girls who are like going somewhere and they're both wearing like blue uniforms like they match each other specifically yeah it's you all know, blue i love that okay can we zag real quick because just talking about like getting into like the nuance of the color scheme of this movie I want to zag because you and I were talking about the different representation they have of Los Angeles in this movie is like super interesting and intriguing. So um, for those of you who might be listening to the podcast, I'm new to LA. I've lived here for about a year and a half and a lot of most of LA that we see in the movies is the suburbs or like the, the neighborhoods surrounding Los Angeles. That's where most people identify with. They ask you where you're, where you live in LA, like East LA, West LA, like closer to South Bay, or are you like in Hollywood? Like that's like the little boroughs. Santa Monica. Santa Monica, bro. (laughs) West Hollywood, bro. So, but downtown's like a bit of a faux pas just because of like Skid Row and a lot of like the issues there. But there are these really beautiful buildings that haven't like, that haven't really decayed, that people are in sometimes. But you just don't really see a lot of films down there. Like, you might not even realize that they're in Los Angeles unless you, like, actually look it up. So, kids on this podcast who go all the way back to our beginning days know that Pat and I, we both lived in Los mm-hmm. Angeles for four months with internships in 2009, same time Wait, this was movie. that when you uh, ran into Charlize Theron? Yeah, I mean, no big deal. I did run into her, mm-hmm. ran into Drew Barrymore, Zach Efron, uh, oh. Jason Street from Friday Night Lights, Justin Long, no big deal, Adam Brody from the OC, again, no yeah. big deal. Yeah, I mean, I was 
I was shaking hands, kissing babies with celebs when I was there for my unpaid internship, had a cup of coffee with that internship, no big deal. By the way, fun fact, I saw this movie in Los Angeles. The, I, watched, I saw this movie twice in theater. I went twice in theater. Both were at the Whoa. Grove. At I the Grove. Wow, you're so LA, BD. So LA. I saw this movie at the Grove twice. Oh, wow. Anyways, we were staying on USC's campus, and it was off of like Fig in downtown Figueroa. <laughs> I call it Fig, you know, and downtown. And I thought it was interesting. They're not showing like LA Live and Staples Center and all that shit. That's they're like showing like early LA, like early. Yeah, 1900s. they're sa- they're showing like early 1900s architecture LA, not like 2020. It's more like getting into the nitty gritty of this is early 20th century LA, which I thought to your point was interesting. So there, ha- I agree. There have been a couple nights where Dan and I, because Dan, my husband works at the Staples Center. So I'll go down there and meet him and we'll yeah. go out after a game and we'll stumble into these bars that are just like gorgeous at the bottom of these like old buildings and these little speakeasy type places. We're like, wow, it feels like we're, you know, not even in Los Angeles. So that's to me like kind of like the beauty of this film is you get to see like this whole other part of, of the city. I did look up though Tom's bench for those of you who have you oh, know, watched yeah. it to, like, to experience that view. And unfortunately, it's uh, gated off. You can't go there anymore. Probably oh. it's like the best kept secret. So I'm going to try to like sneak my way over there just to do it for the kids you know oh yeah we would put that shit you took a picture we put it on instagram yeah i think that, that might that might be worth it do it for the gram you know right always right There's social media presence Summer would never do it for the gram no never I, but i love i love that i it would be cool as fuck if you did see that but anyways i just appreciated that because it was showing a different side of la that i thought was interesting for sure and I, this is this is a hot take i'm gonna, I'm gonna oh. take so uh, the narrator says that this is a story of boy meets girl, but I also think this is a coming of age tale as like someone in their 20s, which yeah. would be Tom. So he was kind of like stuck in his rut. He never was motivated enough to do his own thing until he met the one or who he thought was the one. So like you're seeing this lens of like this, this story is about Tom figuring out who he is so he could be his most authentic self. So that when he meets the right person who they want us to think is Autumn, he is truly capable of being in a relationship and not being so dependent on somebody else to make him feel good. I, I agree. You have to yeah. take care of yourself first or you're never going to be able to be good in a relationship. Yeah, I agree. I think when he met Summer, he hadn't yet figured himself out and it wasn't until he had gone through the Summer experience that he was then his like makeover as i'm gonna call it we'll we'll get there but his makeover yep okay cool let's keep going okay let's keep going okay they they let let, let's just fast forward they start going through shit they get through that infatuation stage they get through the honeymoon phase everything's great everything's awesome we're at like day like 100 (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah they're i kept thinking like like a fifth of the way in and she and this is where we're at i know like so I kept looking at the days and thinking about it like months. So I was like, okay. I was dividing it by 30. Yeah. So I was like a hundred days in. All right. So they're like three and a half months into this relationship and they still haven't defined if they're like boyfriend, girlfriend, and if they're exclusive, like together. 
And but I was like, every time he brings it up, she's like, we're just having fun. So that, that felt weird. That, that to me started the spiral downward for me where I was like, I just, if you're three and a half months in and she's still not willing to just commit to like putting a, a label on it and you're hanging out every single day, you're having sex, you're doing all the things that you do in a relationship. This seems like it's, it's the downward spiral. So Let's go to the breakup because we're Tom is obviously way more into it than she is. Yeah. We all see it. We all know it. They get it. So I, I started making some points. So we're at day two, like 191. Okay. Mm-hmm. So we're not even halfway through the 500 days of summer. Day 191. So how long have they been dating them when they essentially are really getting into their shit? Is that? Fuck. One on. night, let's, look, let's look it up. Listen, I'm, I'm more of a journalism major than a math whiz. 191 divided by 30. This is six months. This is half of the year. But we have okay. to remember that she didn't even know that he liked her until one month into the 500. So for the timeline, one month in, he admits his true feelings for her. They kind of like have their Stereo first kiss. Tonight. One month in. Three months in, they're now fully dating and he wants to try and define the relationship and she's like pulling away from defining it as like boyfriend, girlfriend, six months in, they are essentially breaking apart. They're shredding. We're not even at 200 days and they're basically breaking up. This is whenever they're at the bar, they're out. She's very disinterested. It's one of those situations where like you can tell something's off from what it used to be like to what you're now doing. And you feel it. It's one of those things that you don't explicitly say out loud. The and body have a conversation. language. They're but not yeah, looking you just at each other. Feel it. I think anyone can. Anyone can in that situation when you realize a relationship is going to hell. You can feel it inside before it all comes to fruition. You can feel it. And that happens to Tom. They're now broken up. Let's just go there. They break up. He's trying to get through it. Summer's kind of centerpiece. Like, you know, you're not my boyfriend. I, I can take care of myself. That's very on brand. But then what did she do? In the rain, she goes to his place in the <sighs> middle of the night. Oh that is a number three mix signal. I know. And it's like so tough because like you see a girl all wet in the rain like that with her tail between her legs. And, and it's just. Eyes. Is a dude. There's no physical fucking way that you can like not take her no matter what fucked up shit she did or how unreasonable she was or whatever in that argument if she shows up at your door and she just walked over through the fucking rain and is like leaning on the the door like that in the middle of the night ready to apologize and like make up with you and she opens with i'm sorry and she's she's like i'm sorry i shouldn't have said that to you can I come in? Actually, she doesn't even say, can I come in? She just comes in. I know. It's so yeah. summer. But like, um, okay, so, so that summer. is mixed signal number three. Yeah. Because I, I feel like at that moment, she thought to herself when she's sitting at her apartment after he stormed off, if I don't go after him right now or like make a move, this is over. You know, totally. My, here's my issue though. With her, she clearly 
was not that into him, but she just didn't want to lose what she had. She liked the attention. She liked having that relationship, having the stability of like someone who's into her in a new city where she doesn't have any friends. It's like a rock that you like to have in your back pocket, but you don't really give a fuck about it because you're you, like you said, you're still waiting for that like next big thing. You're waiting for that big, awesome thing, that big dude, fucking Liam Hemsworth guy to come in and sweep you off your feet. So you're just cool. Like taking to dump all over this fucking guy literally yes so all that said there's Anyways, so I much you, i think we need to clarify the breakup okay so like we have the, the, <laughs> you know this podcast is gonna go so long well this is a good movie no i know okay. i'm just gonna i i honestly just maybe just, we'll do two part we'll do part one part two look like, i'll go i'll spend four fucking hours on this i think this is the most interesting shit in the world have you had dinner yet? <laughs> no, I want to be done by eight. My time. Okay. Okay. So we have 49, 49 minutes to wrap this shit up. Okay. All right, BD. So we just had <laughs> the fight, the rain makeup, right? Yeah. Why don't we jump to the official breakup? Yes. Over flapjacks. Love it. Yes. Go there. Okay. So I don't know what day this is. It's I'm gonna say it's closer to early 200s. Yep. And Tom and Summer are on a date, and he's just doing the same like reused moves. I know. You know what? I think it's one of those things though. Like you're you're hanging on by a fucking thread, and you're just like grasping to straw with to straws, and you're just like, okay, I know this worked initially. And maybe I just go back to this, like the tried and true Ringo Starr Hail shit. Mary. Like, it's yeah, yeah, it's a hail mary, and it it's sad to watch because we've all been in these positions where a relationship is falling apart, and you're just like trying fucking anything to. He's to overcompensating keep it since she's not giving him anything, Correct. and his his reused moves are not landing. They she basically is like out of nowhere. I think we should break up. Oh, God, it hurts me so bad at my core hearing that. Yeah. And he's, like, shocked. He's trying to understand. And then their food comes. She's like, oh, let's just eat. And it's like, yum, this is so good. I'm so glad we did this. And he basically gets up and leaves. And she turns around, and what does she say, BD? I, God, I don't – honestly, I blacked it out. I, the, it hit such a chord with me. It, it was like a carbon copy to my breakup. So I blacked it out. You just say what it is. <laughs> I hope we can still be friends. Oh my God. I, yeah, fuck that. Guess what? You are never staying friends with your ex. It's never going to fucking happen. Once you cross over that fucking Rubicon of like, we go from being friends to we are friends who fuck. It's, it's never coming back. You're never, ever going to fucking be friends. I know there's people out there who are friends with their exes. I think you people are all sociopaths, psychopaths, and you are <laughs> probably serial killers. I don't think any realistic situation in life exists where you've been able to maintain a platonic friendship. It'll just never work. Yeah, be friends. Okay, it's going to be great. Still be friends. And, and she keeps bringing this back. This is also Tom fell hard fast. So for him, it's a lot more, has a, a stronger gravity than it does for her, where she's just very casual. It doesn't, you know, she never said the L word. You know what I mean? So yep. it's like, but we are all following along from Tom's perspective. We've all been there. We know his pain. It 
fucking hurts. Okay, so that's like, let's just say we're, we're early 200s. So 200 days later, Tom is going to a coworker's wedding via train to Santa Barbara, which is a thing in Los Angeles, which is really, really beautiful and actually very romantic. He's going solo because Ryan Philippi bails on him. Classic. <laughs> Classic Philippi. Classic, because he's quote unquote <laughs> sick. So he walks on the train, he sees Summer, he acts like he doesn't see her, and she sees him and her being Summer and so confident, stands up and walks over to him. Oh, hey, Tom. Oh my God, like just totally authentic. Oh, and he acts fuck. like he's here. It's so cringeworthy. I know. <sighs> the, uh, okay, they go to this wedding. And she breaks up with you. And then because she hasn't moved on to that next best, best thing yet, she's still like letting you linger in the background a little bit because she doesn't want to be alone. And she just likes, likes that security of like having someone who's into her. But then Summer, number four, asks him to dance. He didn't ask her to dance. And, God, and mixed she asked signal. him to dance. And that was a mixed signal. And then on the way home on the train, she falls asleep with her head on his shoulder. Mixed signal. Mixed. Totally unfair. I don't think that she realized how it's been like four months. He's still super hung up on her. That was really, really hard for him. I can understand how that would reignite every ounce of hope in his body. And what happens at the end of the wedding that makes him think that there's still a chance. Summer invites Tom to come to her place the next week for a party that oh my god hosting on her roof. Yeah, 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 yeah. This is where honestly I think we get to the most pivotal scene of this entire movie, which is the expectations versus reality scene. Because after the wedding, he now has hope for the first time. And he's still holding on to this like little shred of hope that this could still work out. And she gave him a couple mixed signal signs to your point at the wedding. So she invites him to her like place. And okay, I just want to go to this expectations versus reality thing because I think this was like a genius. A, yeah, like a genius uh, mechanism by the director on the way that he showcased this where he did a split screen and on the bottom of the split screen on the left side of the screen, it said expectations. And then on the right side, it said reality. And he started the loop on expectations, like a second or two, like a beat earlier than the reality on the right side of the screen. And he just shows like that perfect dichotomy between how you always think something is going to go in your head going into a situation and then how your reality like brings you back down to earth because it never nothing ever goes to how you expect it to go and, and we I actually think- are at the backdrop of a very melancholy regina specter song oh yeah so true so i'm gonna actually uh, let's just play that clip we haven't played a clip in forever let's play that clip I'm not the hero of his story. I don't want to be saved. Oh my God. I oh, I, d- 
Honestly. Pour one out for your boy Tom. I know, because I, I, I agree. Pour one out for Tom because there is nothing worse. There's nothing worse at that. So his expectations to level set for the kids are that he goes into that party. He's starting to like rekindle shit with his girlfriend and they're going to get back together. That's his expectations. They reconnected this party. Awesome. In reality, what happens is, is he goes to this party and she just wants him to be woven in as a quote unquote friend. And she wants him there because at that party, she's showing off her new engagement ring. She got engaged <gasps> to a fucking new dude after only knowing him for six months. And she already got engaged to him. This whole thing that she's been like holding off with Tom the whole time of like committing. And now I don't want to be anybody's anything. Yes. And now she's going to be somebody's wife. Yes. So this to me is where Tom hits the ultimate rock bottom. And this is when we're at day 440. Okay, so, guys, we still got okay, 40 days left. Okay, so I think I did the math. His relationship went to shit after like six to eight months. Meaning... It was shit at like 220 days. Yeah, so that's like uh, seven months or so. His relationship with her went to shit seven months or so. She then started dating the new guy. Must have been like right around that time. Because six months after that, you get to that like 440 day mark. So she was with Tom for like seven months, broke up, probably broke up because she met that other guy, honestly. And that was like the final push. Got with that new guy in a shorter amount of time than she actually was dating Tom, had already gotten accepted an engagement to him. Correct? I think that's right, BD. So. Checks out. Tom hits rock bottom with all those factors Tom. this is when he wakes up throws on his bathrobe and does that for a couple days in a row okay this is so fun by the way yeah i i love it i, I wish we could just do like a five-hour podcast because god as i was saying this movie is just <laughs> okay so yeah he sees, he sees the ring and then he goes into his spiral of taking a couple of days off work. Okay. We're in his funk right now, right? Like we're, we're in, in his, his we're in his funk. I want to just, over. I think we should just skip over and we just focus on while he's in his funk. Let's go to the, the sister conversation at the soccer game, because I, I feel like that is more poignant than like what happens to him at work. Okay, you're right, you're right. You're right I you're wish right, we okay. could do five hours. I really do. But so let's just go. He's okay. in a funk. He's in a shit storm. And he doesn't he, show up to work for like two days. Yeah. Fucking work is a joke. He he literally is like barely connected. I think he gets fired. He goes through all this bullshit at work and he's low. So he has this conversation. Honestly, this is where I want to bring it back around to the to Chloe Grace Moretz because she sucked this whole movie and then Oh my God, in this scene. Disagree, but continue. Well, yeah, I know. We disagree. Well, here, here, I'll half disagree and half agree. I, I think she sucks because I don't, like I was saying, I don't like that wise eight-year-old. I don't think that exists in life. But what I will agree with you on, the other half of me goes, this fucking clip where Tom is like in the throes of his fucking depression that she says to him was like one of the most poignant moments of the entire movie clip. Hey, Tom. 
Hmm. Look, I know you think that she was the one, but I don't. No, I think you're just remembering the good stuff. Next time we look back, I, uh, I really think you should look again. <sighs> that, to me, honestly, is like one of the most... It hit me hard because it's like the, everyone does that when you're going back and analyzing like an old relationship or whatever. It doesn't even have to be a relationship. It's any situation in life. People have a confirmation bias that they have in their head. It's like an unconscious like confirmation bias. Like a, they remember you remember stuff based on feelings. You remember stuff based on how you want to remember it and it's how you felt, but it's not how things actually happened. So feelings like get in the way of like how you remember events that happened in your life. And that's what's happening to Tom. He's remembering things always like through a lens of I've, I love this girl and I'm obsessed with her. But in reality, when you take a closer look, you, you can see what was really fucking going on. And it's not all like rainbows, sunshines and rainbows, you know? I completely agree. And that realization helps lead him into his L Woods makeover moment uh, where he's like, it's like, which is honestly one of my favorite parts of the movie. Digging he's, himself out. He's like, you know what? I'm going to really hone in on my architecture skill. I'm going to become my own person, which I think we, everyone agrees. Anyone who's ever been in a breakup, you can't get out of a breakup unless you like reestablish who you are as a person. You got to build your own yep. identity back. Yeah, who you are without this person, without this breakup, you learn and you move on. Yep. So here we see Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Tom. He is drawing on his chalkboard wall, which we've got a ruler out. job interviews. We're failing job interviews, but we don't Fuck care. It. We're going to go to every goddamn architecture company in this city, and we're going to give it our all. Perseverance. We're going to go to her sister's soccer games, because we have no one else in our lives. It's a fuck. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to be me. You yep. know, for the first time in 500 days, or maybe ever, honestly, he's going to stand on his own legs. Even if he fails, he doesn't care. He's not turning back. Nope. I agree 100%. He finally finds his own way and he finds his own path. And let's go to the final. I want to spend a lot of time on this final scene. As he, he's found his way, he's found his path, so to speak. So to your point, he's like 480, I wrote it down, 488 days in. So He's not all the way there because there's still 12 more days of, on his journey of fully figuring himself out. But he's 98% of the way there. And he has this final scene with Summer. She's clearly moved on. She's now married. First off, fucking fastest engagement and then marriage, like wedding ceremony of all fucking time. Jesus Christ. So she's now fully married 488 days in. And I knew you were going to bring that up, BD, and I have oh, no. a quote for you. Yeah. So there's a common song, and he says, basically, in short, it doesn't take all day to realize it's sunny. 
oh. in her defense. Okay, oh, we all God. can relate to that. So this final scene, this is like his final, she's moved on. They both have gone off in their separate ways to figure out themselves. Now, this to me is so wild because this final scene, I didn't realize until I listened to the DVD commentary back that this final scene is up for interpretation. The director was saying that they wanted this to be ambiguous to where they didn't want the audience to know for sure if this final scene at that park bench overlooking the architecture of LA with, with Summer, his final conversation ever with her, they didn't want the audience to be sure if that was a mirage or if it was actually like a real life scene that Tom had with her in the movie. So, oh, like a moment of itself where she's actually there? Yeah, so this is my thing to you is in this final scene, before we play the clip, I want to ask you, because this is the closure scene. This is closure. He gets closure with Summer forever. Do you think this was a mirage or do you think this actually happened? And I think it speaks to a bigger question of do you think closure exists or do you not think it exists? Okay, so number one, yes, I think it happened. I think that part of Summer's character is to pick up bits and pieces of the people that affected her throughout her life, and that's why she's such like a tapestry of characteristics. So yes, this is something that she loved about Tom. You think it's not a mirage, okay. I think it really happened. Okay. like loved his passion for architecture. She always fueled it. This was one of the things she really latched onto him. And I think that she would go there truly. And maybe she wanted to run into him, maybe not, but she would go there. I think this happened. Number two, was it closure? Is there ever closure? This is where- You just learned to live with what happened. You never really like- fully, fully, fully like close anything, whether it's like a relationship or a job or someone passes away. Like in life, people impact you and you don't close it. You just learn from it and move on. I agree with that. I don't think closure exists. And that's why I would actually take the opposite approach and say, that's why I think this scene is a mirage. I think that closure is a fucking fairy tale that only exists in movies. It never happens in real life. You don't achieve closure from someone else. You achieve full closure in your own head from within yourself. It's never going to come from a conversation that you have with an ex. I don't think that exists. So that's why I think that final scene on that park bench is actually a mirage. And I think it speaks to Tom and his head figured out a way to close off the summer chapter in his life himself and start his own path. So it's interesting because it's like, by the way, (laughs) well, that was amazing. By the way, that was very beautiful. Thanks. Thanks. I think about it. Like we're both probably right. I think both of us agree that closure is a myth and a fairy tale and, and it, but you're not going to get it from the other person. It just, it all boils down to, once we under both understand that, do we think that actually happened in the movie or not, that scene? So this is why I think it was real, and this is why I, at least I felt closure as a viewer. Um, whenever they're sitting there and Tom says to Summer, you would never commit to me or like, you know, 
you always said you didn't want to be anybody's anything and now you're somebody oh my god hold on i gotta play this i just gotta play it can i play it yes oh my god play it you never wanted to be anybody's girlfriend and now you're somebody's wife surprised me too i don't think i'll ever understand that i mean it doesn't make sense it just happened right but that's what i don't understand what just happened i just i just woke up one day and i knew knew what what i was never sure of with you Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. I, th- this scene. Oh my god. I know. And it, like it kills. It, it's so. Like oh. I guess it, it gives us hope. You know that Tom wasn't wrong. He oh. was just wrong about her. Oh my god. I think god. that like, for all of us hopeless romantics, which I think like we just have to hold on to that. God, There's it's... still that person out there, and <sighs> he was just wrong about Summer, which we all knew all along. But it's nice to hear her give him that at least. I got to say, we, we've done the movie He's Just Not That Into You on this podcast. <laughs> and that scene is, it ties to that movie so much because it's like, this is why I can't blame Summer because this is how it goes. Like, it's, you're trying to fit a square peg in a round hole. It doesn't always work. Like, and, and I think Summer realized that. And this is why I can't blame her as much as I hate Zoe Deschanel, the actor, because of her one uh, Apple uh, iPhone 4S <laughs> commercial. And, <laughs> but I can't blame her because it's like we've all been in these relationships where you're just trying to fit a square peg in a round hole. And I think she said it so perfectly where she was like, dude, Tom, I knew one day I just woke up and I knew. And he's like, knew what? And she was like, what I could never figure out with you. And that to me was like, oh my God. Oh my God. It hurts. Yeah. It stings. It stings so deep, but it's so deep. But true. listen, it's, it's just how it goes sometimes. It is how it goes. That's what I'm saying. Square peg round My grandma hole. says, you know, you got to have the three. You got to have your heart broken three times so that way you can learn how to really love somebody. So yes. Can I say one more fun fact on that final scene was um, Tom's reaction to her when she said that final line to him, that when he reacts to it, if you look at him, she says that to him and then he goes like this. He like looks away. He like hides his face. And he said in the director's uh, commentary when I was watching the DVD, he was like, the reason why I reacted that way in that scene after she said that was, I was going through that scene with the director about this scene and like how I should react to hearing that news of like the girl saying, look, I'm into all this shit. It's just not with you. And he said, as he was talking to the director or writer, whatever, in the middle of the guy telling me the story about when this happened to him, he did that. He just got choked up. Couldn't even like come up with words. And he just like, he was embarrassed in front of JGL, the actor, to where he looked away. And he like, just didn't want him to see his face. Like he was just like, and he took a beat. And then so JGL as an actor was like, that's how I need to react in that scene. When you hear those words, it's too much. And you don't want to like show that vulnerability and you don't want to show that. And so you just like look away as a dude is to not like, 
show that you're getting emotional and stuff. This Fucking is something that so Ryan deep. Phillippe could never do. Oh, good point. Ryan Phillippe <laughs> could never do that. This is where he would break down on his knees and start crying and sobbing. And yeah, and just start sobbing uncontrollably, acting like such a little bitch. Exactly. Yes. So I just thought that was so cool, though, to hear that story of like, damn, damn. It's just heavy, man. But it's a coming of age tale. Yes, it's a boy meets girl tale. But it's coming of age. Okay. Let's go to so, day five hundred. Let's just go to day five hundred. Day five hundred. We're we're Elle Woods. We're hitting our stride. We're filling interviews, but we don't care. Summers we're closed. We're feeling better. We've we've given ourselves the gift of closure. This is why we have made we've done a whole podcast about like how sad breakups are and everything but this is why this whole movie ends positive this is why both you and i are, have been love in very this movie. we love this movie and we've been in very committed long-term relationships for over like a decade with the same girl because both you and i after you go through all these breakups in life you always will meet your autumn and it might be a saying of like, there's there's other fish in the sea, whatever bullshit sayings there are, but like- Your next season of life is ahead of you if you just hold on. Oh God, yeah. Maybe that should be the line instead of like, instead of saying like, there's other fish in the sea after a breakup, you should just say like the next season of life is like- As long you. as you let one season end, you can go to the next, but you can't like- hold on to one and not let the other happen it just that's not how it works that's so true yeah you what like so you're going from winter it's not like you can still be wearing like full-on like jean pants as you get into <laughs> out of the winter into fucking spring and summer hell no it's 95 degrees out there to the beach i mean that's just insane no you fucking you rip off those jean pants and you wear jorts you got jorts on you fucking crush that summer weather with your jorts you love the jorts no it's true and that's what life is about you got to embrace the seasons you can't hold on to the past you got to keep moving he so, embraces the next season which is what what comes after fucking so, summer some might say fall but that's not no no we so don't we're say at fall. our job interview we're sitting there, we're flirting with girls, the one girl specifically waiting for the interview to start. And then the near, it basically she it notices him from the lookout spot where he was always so hung up on summer. He never noticed like this beautiful person looking at him and being interested in him. He just was so narrow-minded or like focused, tunnel vision, I guess is the word I'm looking for, tunnel vision. Have I seen you before? Me? I don't think so. Do you ever go to Angeles Plaza? Yes. <laughs> That's like my favorite spot in the city. Okay, except for the parking lots, but... Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah, yeah, I think I've seen you there. Really? Yeah. I haven't seen you. You must not have been looking. You, your eyes weren't open. You weren't looking for me or I whatever. Mean, this woman is like beautiful. And I mean... I feel like maybe you would notice her. I think that BD. Uh, I know who she fucking is. I know who she fucking is. And this is one of my biggest nitpicks of all time with this movie is I love. Don't rain on this parade. We got to finish this happy moment. All right. I am going to rain on it. I don't care what you say. I just want to, I just want to get it out there and say that this girl, the actress they chose to play Autumn. I I am a hundred percent in with Autumn. I'm, I'm, I'm on board. I love Autumn. 
I'm now married to an autumn. You're married to an autumn. We're all married to our autumns. I'm 100% on board with autumn. My issue is that the fucking actress that they got to play autumn in the hope in the beacon of like moving forward into that next season in your entire life in this movie is lila garrity from friday night lights she is the fucking marissa cooper of friday night lights she sucks ass like i hate her That's because she's Kelly. a versatile actress bd no i it sucks because I saw this movie honestly before I watched Friday Night Lights and I looked at Autumn as like the the, the like we said the beacon of hope for for all She's like our life. hero. She's the hero. She's the the gold at the end of the 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 pot of gold at the end of the rainbow and uh, where we all aspire to be and and I was just so mad then when I went back and watched Friday Night Lights after I saw this movie and saw that she's essentially like the Marissa Cooper of Friday Night Lights and I was just like Fuck. Well, Damn I have it. never seen a single episode of Friday Night Lights. I know. So let's go with that. Let's just go with like. From the purest view. Yeah, let's just go more and naive. Let's go more he, naive. So we were going to go. Joseph Gordon Levitt is flirting with her. He gets, he's like, we heard the clip. He's yeah. going back for the interview. And basically, he's, the narrator's like, here he goes, living his life. He was sure so that fate doesn't exist. He turns exist. around and he goes for it. And she almost doesn't even go for it either. And they are deciding their own fate. He's his own man. It doesn't matter anymore. He's taking control of his own life. And then we got this amazing song that's like, she's got you high and you don't even know yet. Roll credits. <laughs> We're crying. It's the best. No, movie and, ever. and I love the way they ended it because it was like that, you know, we talk about hope. Like it was all about hope when they ended this movie because it went like how the final credit rolls is like she's about to not go out with him. And then she like takes a beat. He like walks away and then she goes, Oh, wait. Sure, I'll meet up with you after this. And then they show that scrolling number that they've been like holding you hostage as a timeline the whole movie. And it shows 500. And then it just scrolls all the way back down to one. And then you realize like, oh, fuck. It's now like you could do a sequel that's 500 days of autumn or like infinity days of autumn. A thousand million days of autumn. It's like life goes on. I think that that's like what everyone holds on to whenever you see this movie or like, this isn't like a life sentence. Nope. This is just a, a season and you're through it. And as long as you are true to yourself and you keep your heart open, you're never going to know it's going to be literally right around the corner. It all works out how it should. It works out perfectly. It's such a positive ending to this movie. And just because the whole movie was negative doesn't mean like the end and the, the whole movie. I don't think be. the whole movie like, was negative. Well, I think that this was an amazing movie. It's just movie. real. It's raw and real. That's how I view it. It's real, you know? Yeah. So there's some negativity in there, but it's just fucking real life. Okay, that, Michelle, yeah. I know you got to go. So let's wrap it with who's your MVP? We end all these podcasts with like, who is, who is your MVP? I don't, you don't even need to have anything prepared. Just go off, the, off of your gut. Who to you like sticks out the most is like the most valuable player okay. from this movie? Credit rolling, we're crying, we're happy. My MVP is gonna has to be Tom, or you know, Joseph Gordon Levitt. 
JGL. I know that we, we saw him through a lot of uh, tumultuous times. And there were times where we were very unimpressed with him. There were times where he was our anti-hero and we just wanted to kick him a little bit. But that's why this movie's so good because we identify with him and we know how it goes. He came out on top and he's his true self. Hopefully it works out with Autumn. We don't know. Either way, we know he's going to be okay. And I yep. think that he's our hero, period. Yep. No, I like that. I, I like the, the thing you said, too, about um, who knows if it ends well with Autumn. It doesn't matter. That's not the point. The point of this movie was he went on a he went on this whole journey and he came out on the better end and, like, more resilient. So even if it doesn't work out with Autumn, guess what? Tom, he'll be fine. He figured it out. He'll be he figured fine. out. Yeah. He's definitely going to get that job. Definitely. God, so it's just funny because, like, God, you came in like hardcore praising the fuck out of <laughs> Zoe Deschanel, and then like you shit, you kept ribbing on her the whole time, and then didn't even give her the MVP of the movie. So I think it's like clear, like as much as she's, I was shitting on her initially, like maybe you don't like her that much either. <laughs> no, I love her, and she's but she's not the MVP. I appreciate her character arc. And I did call her out on her four big mixed signals, but I don't think she's, she's not a villain. No, honestly, I don't think she, I, I don't think Tom she is either. is the villain. He's the hero. He's Elle Woods. He's everything. He does it all. Love this that. Let's God, end I on that. I love this movie. I'm literally going to go watch it. it right now. I love it so much. I, I, I honestly, I could have done like a five hour podcast on this movie. Um, <laughs> We, somehow we got it in. We we did it. We got it into like three hours. I'll I'll edit it down. <laughs> somehow we did it. But yeah, no. Thanks for coming on, Michelle. I thought this was like a perfect movie for us to do. Getting deep as fuck. End on a super high note. We pulsed the West Coast kids. We yes. did it all. But Michelle, it's eleven. It's past eleven. East Coast time for these fucking kids. It's bedtime for these kids. And so as we tell these kids to tuck on in, end this podcast and wrap it up, I want you to help with the sign off and tell those kids what they need to do. They have to have their clear eyes and full hearts, but also do less. Do less, kids. You can follow us on Instagram at Vicarious Living Podcast and listen to all of our episodes on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. You know you found us when you find a picture of Pat and I sitting on a couple rocks overlooking the vast landscape that is Laguna Beach. Steven's there, just not pictured. Steven and Elsie, both there, just not pictured.